youth group, you're staying with us. Pastor Jimmy's out of here, so he's uh, on a little uh, uh, visiting his folks in Arizona. So you guys are hanging out with us. I was, uh, you know, I've been telling you guys I love you every single Sunday, and uh, I was talking to Charles about it, and I was like, man, uh, I was like, I always say it, and then no one ever says it back, <laughs> and he's like, they're saying it in their hearts, and I was like, mm, I'm not really sure they are, but then I was trying to think about it, and, and I was like, okay, I say I love you, but if you all say, like, I love you back to me, it's like a little cultish, right? So I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I, are we developing into, like, it's some David Koresh stuff, and so I don't want to do that. I am going to try something new, because I do want to tell you that I love you, because I do love you, but more importantly, I actually love God. And I think that we're about to dial up a little bit on our church. So I've let you guys be mellow. I know you thought this was like the intense Sam. I, I, I told my wife the other day, I, I've been working at about a four here at church. And so I'm about to ratchet up the volume on my cell, like allow God to say, like, let's get to a six. Sam, like, come on. Like, you, you, we got about 4%, I mean, a four, uh, four, level four on the energy level and the intensity level. And so I'm going to ratchet up for you. Uh, in our service time for the next, uh, oh, I'd say 10 weeks, we're going to try this. We'll see if it succeeds or not. If it doesn't, we'll get rid of it. Uh, I'm going to tell you that, you know what, I actually love God more than I love you. So I'm going to shout out, I love God, and then I love you all. And then I want you guys to be able to respond in a shout. I know we don't like shout. I know you don't. You get a lot of time to sit there and be quiet. It's okay. It's uncomfortable. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says shout out to God multiple times. Read the Psalms. Just Google shout slash Bible verse, right? And it'll come up a bunch of times. And so within our service, I want to give us some spaces to be really quiet, like when we take communion and rest and be still. And in our service, I also want to give us a, a minute to go outside of what's comfortable, to shout out to God. Believe it or not, I'm actually by nature an introvert, uh, but not by calling. So I have to like talk to people and, 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 and I love God, but, but I, I actually don't like to be overly expressive normally, except when it comes to God, I get outrageous. And, and I want to invite you guys into that kind of life. It's okay if you're a quiet introvert. I'm going to give you just a moment because the Bible tells us that we should be shouting to God as well. And so I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I love God and then I'm going to turn off the mic, otherwise it's way too loud. So I'm going to say, I love God, and then I love you. And then I'm going to give you the opportunity to say, uh, I love God, and I love you. And now you're not saying you singular. We're saying, because we don't have it in English, are you all. Like, I love the people that are around me, right? And I, hopefully I'm included in that. I would like to be included. So I love you all in general, but I also love you each individually. So I'm using the you all and the you singular, like, boom, as one kind of thing, right? So we're, we're actually redefining grammar here in service. And so I'd like to try that for a little while uh, so that, like, uh, we may have to warn people. If a newcomer comes someday, we'll, we'll say, like, you know, this might be the shout portion, so don't freak out. And then it's like, ah, really loud. And our kids will be like, Mom, what was that downstairs? We heard you. And they say, we heard you stomping, too. So don't worry. It's like back and forth up di- upstairs. And downstairs. Okay, so we're going to try that. Um, yeah, we're going to try that. We'll see how it goes, right? So I'm going to say, I'm not even going <laughs> to, it's your chance to shout. If you're not a shouter, Oh, too bad. It's this kind of thing like, like I think it's really important to, to almost like, I know you're, no one ever drinks wine here, but uh, if you are tasting wine, it's important between, uh, to, to cleanse your palate, right? To get, to get fresh so that you can taste the wine. And I think that it may be important for us to, before we hear God's word, to just tell him, hey, God, I love you. And I love the people that are right here. I think it's important, and I think it'll help, help open up our hearts as we listen to God's Word, as we confess that loudly to Him in a shout. You guys understand what shout is, right? Like, a, like in a fight with your wife, 
at the Rams game today when you'll be shouting as they win, right? Whoa! So, uh, <clears throat> all right, enough explanation. It's like uh, murky waters here. <laughs> I'm going to turn this off. Already? Impressive! Oh my gosh! Praise God! Woo! That was exciting. Matt, I didn't see your mouth move. That's the, small, the hard part about small church. So uh, Matt's next week coming up here with me, and we're going to do it together. <laughs> Go to Mariners if you need a bigger church where no one will notice you and know your name. Um, okay, you got one of these. These are also a 10-week trial. Why is it a 10-week trial? Because I only ordered 500 of them, so they'll be all out about then. Uh, take your Jericho Road pen and write on your Jericho Road notes if you want to. There's some note section on this. There's some... Like other stuff, uh, young people could read it. The older people are like this. Grab your glasses out. There's a connection card. If, if you're new here, you could fill that part out. If you're old here uh, you could, and you have a prayer request, you can fill that if there's any information you want. There's this really cool thing. The kids all know it. Here's for you old folks. Just open your phone and uh, go ahead and take out your photo part. That's like there. And then if you just go right over the QR code, all your iPhones automatically pull. You don't have to take a picture or anything. You don't have to download an app. I think if you're an Android, you have to download a QR code app. And what that will take you to is to all our announcements. We like to get to the place where we're not like reading them each to you every day because, quite frankly, that's a little bit boring. And turns out nobody ever listens because I'll be like, uh, I think last week someone was like, what's this PBJ and J? Like, or they came on Friday and they're like, when's this started? Oh, like four months ago that we've been announcing it every week. And so apparently... Uh, hopefully this is a way to uh, do our digital announcements and our like paper kind of thing, so kind of cool. Uh, I don't mind the cost. Some of these are going to get in your purse, they're going to get in your backpack, they're going to get in your back pocket, and then you're going to see them during the week and it's going to remind you of God. And I think that's a really powerful thing. Or you'll, lo- lo- you'll look up and it'll say like uh, on here, you happen to write, I love God and I love you. And you're going to open that up uh, in four weeks because you didn't know it was stuffed under your car seat and then you're going to find it. And it'll be the exact moment that you need a reminder from God. I think that kind of stuff is important. And so I want to encourage you, uh, take notes or not. Just throw it in your pocket. Hold on to it. Uh, I know they look really nice, so you're tempted to like just lay it neatly back. No, take it. This one's for you. And then uh, write on it. Uh, take it home. Uh, if you don't have a Jericho Road pen, take lots of these. I also ordered 500 pens because... Uh, I want them to go out. I want them to be at your work where someone's like, what the heck? Where they borrow your pen and then someday they're in a hotel and they didn't even know you bo- they borrowed your pen and all of a sudden they look at Jericho Road Church. What is that? And they look it up and some people can meet Jesus through a silly pen. And so that's on purpose that we have Jericho Road and these kind of things. So it's in case you thought I was always random, not always, sometimes purposeful. So I'm so glad you guys are here. Uh, I almost, I really enjoy that intro. This, I think this is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I was cruising around the internet for like the last few weeks, like in anticipation of this sermon series, like uh, Rich and Young, and I came upon a couple of people who might fit the bill of Rich and Young. Uh, the first one is this guy, Gustav Magnar Witzoe. I was like, seriously? So this is a real person, and he's 25 years old, and... Uh, I think that he's fairly attractive. Eh, I'm not judging, not, not by comparison or anything. Uh, his net worth, $1.9 B billion. And his name is Gustav Magnar. How do you get that name? Mine is Tom Sick. There's Sick in my name. 
And he's Gustav Bangar, and his last name has like, it's like a, it's, it's a Widzoe, but the O has like a cool Nordic like line through it that my computer recognized and didn't change to a regular O. It's like, oh, he's Nordic. Don't worry. We need that thing in there. My computer knew that. And so like, it's like, seriously, come on. I mean, that's not even fair. Like, I got all this, you know, <laughs> he's got like, ah. It's not just for us, Ben. Poor ladies. How about this young lady? Katharina Andresen. Oh, that's fantastic. Net worth $1.4 billion. She's 23. Ah. Yeah. Thanks, God. Right? <laughs> and behold, a man came up to Jesus and he said to him, Teacher, what good deeds must I do to have eternal life? And then he said to him, why do you ask me about what's good? There's only one who's good. If you'd enter life, keep the commandments. And then he says to him, like, which ones? And Jesus says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shouldn't bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all oh, these, I, all of them, I've, I've kept them. What do I still lack? So this incident that we're going to look at uh, in the next couple of weeks is included in three of the four Gospels. Gospels are the primary biographies of Jesus' life. And so if it's in three of the four, it may be important. It may be that God has preserved it in three of the four Gospels because it's worth paying attention to. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us that this man was rich. Matthew tells us that he's young, and Luke actually tells us that he's a ruler. So he's rich, he's young, and he's important. He's a somebody. Now, to understand the passage that we're about to jump into, we've got to look at what happened literally right before. So right before uh, this thing happens, and then this guy comes running up, and that's when he says that phrase to Jesus. But right before, Jesus is talking a crowd to a crowd, and he says this. He's talking about, and, and some people have brought some kids to, to Jesus. And, and so the, then children were brought to him, Jesus, uh, that he might lay his hands on them and that he could pray for them. And the disciples, they rebuked people. And they were like, get your dirty kid out of here, right? Get your little children out of here. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And then he laid his hands on him and prayed, and he went away. And so the, the disciples were attempting to thwart the bringing of children to Jesus because in Jesus' time, uh, children were considered lowly. They were not worthy of any attention. Like they, I don't know if it could be a more opposite view of how we view children. Like how we view children, they are precious and they're important. And if a kid is hurt, we all like look to help. Or if, if they are asking something, we all turn to them and want to meet their needs. We care about kids. If you don't, social service comes to your house, right? Like you got to care about kids. It is critically important here in America. Kids are like, ah, right? Parents are running ragged to try to get everything for their kid and never get them in the right schools and the right hoglons and the right everythings and the right clothes and the right experiences and so many sports. So they get programmed, but not too many sports. So they got to have leisure time, but you, you got to program their leisure time. So you have a play date and they go, oh my goodness, kids are like really important in America. 
And so it's hard for us to understand that it's not that way everywhere. And it's not that way in ancient times here in Jesus' time. In fact, a slave had more rights than a child. Like you could kill your kid and there's no recourse. You can't just kill your slave. You could punch out your kid's eye and nothing could happen to you. If you punch out your slave's eye, then you have to pay them for their eye and you have to free them. But for kids, they didn't have any legal recourse. They had no honor. You couldn't get lower. Slave was better than kid. And so uh, Jesus, uh, so when Jesus says, let the little kids come to me, don't hinder them, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to ones like this, like this is a shocking statement. Because Jesus just said, look, if you want to get into the kingdom, you have to be as low as this dirty child. You have to have as little honor, as little stuff, as little importance, as little merit, no station, weak, humble, nothing. See, when Jesus says, come to me like the children, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, in America we think, well, the kingdom of God belongs to people with childlike faith, where they just believe without any evidence. But that's not the case at all, because that's not what children meant. Or we say, like, you have to come to God innocently, because we think of children as innocent, until you have some, and then you don't, right? <laughs> but kids are innocents. But that's not what the Bible teaches either. This is not what Jesus is talking about. To come like this child means to come in humility, come in lowness, come with nothing, coming knowing that you have no rights to anything. That's what it means to come like a child. And so this is like the precursor to what happens. And so the book of Mark says, just as Jesus is finishing the kid thing, blessing them, he gets up, starts to walk away. And the man from the passage we're talking about right now, he runs up to Jesus. So the Gospel of Mark includes this. Now, now Matthew doesn't include it, but Mark does, because they, they each include a little bit different details, but we get a fuller picture when we kind of look at both of them. And so right, Jesus excuses the kids, he blesses them, he prays for them, and all of a sudden this guy comes running up. So all of a sudden this guy comes, pops up all blinged out, right, with his merit badges, his acts of righteousness, his wealth, his standing in the world. Additionally, the guy actually seems to care about spiritual issues. Like he was asking about eternal life. I mean, what a great place to be this guy is, right? The world would say that this guy has it all. Yet internally, he knew something was missing. Life can't get any better than what this guy had. He is rich, he is young, and he has power. He's a ruler. Yet he feels like something's lacking in his life. I think we see this all the time in our modern days. Uh, whenever you watch, if you watch any biographies about different celebrities or singers or people with a lot of money, like their life goes off the rails all the time because it always seems like something is missing. They're always looking for something else, even though to us on the outside it looks like they have it all. But there's always a piece missing. And I would say usually it's a God piece. And this guy, this guy in our narrative, he gets to actually ask Jesus some questions. So he feels this missing bit, and he comes up to Jesus and asks him some questions. Like I know often we ask one another like questions. Have you guys ever been asked or asked someone, like, if you had a chance to ask Jesus a question, what would you ask? Has anyone ever, like, Christians kind of say that a bunch. No one, just me. Uh, that's all right. That wasn't the interactive part. My bad. We'll just save it for the beginning when we say I love God and I, and I love others. Okay. Sorry. Overdid it today. <laughs> Hopefully. Too many asks in one day. 
Um, but but I've done that. Uh, like, hey, what are you gonna? What would be something you could ask God if you could ask God, or what would you ask Jesus if you saw him? And so for me, I was like, I think I'm gonna ask God, like, why'd you make mosquitoes? Because they really suck. <laughs> no, they actually really suck. Like in in multi levels, they like they cause diseases and they cause itchiness and they're horrible little creatures. I'm going to ask God, why is food that tastes bad good for you and food that tastes great bad for you? Why did you have to make it that way? Because God could have made it where the good food is good for you, right? The tasty food is good for you. He could have done that because he's God, so why didn't you, God? And then I'm going to ask him, hey, God, you know how in the book of Revelation you talk about like this great city with huge gates and each gate has a single pearl? That comes from Revelation 21. I have that verse in case you didn't memorize it. It's like usually people's top like one or two verses. Yeah, not really at all. Um, but, but I'm going to ask God like when I get there, uh, you know how you did that? Like you talked about that and so like each of these gates has a single pearl. Like where's the oyster that made that pearl, God? That's what I'm, I'm wondering. Because this gate is like uh, 1,200 miles the, the wall is 1,200 miles tall. So the gate's not like, they can't even get through it. It's like Zoolander. It needs to be at least three times bigger. <laughs> right? So this is a humongous pearl. And so I'm thinking, like, you know, China just landed on the moon. On the backside of the moon, China got there, and I was like, holy clam! There's like this big clam, like, just gestating for 2,000 years. And it's like, size of the moon. Like, where is this oyster? At least we know what we'll be, be having, clam chowder, all in eternity, right? And then I'm also going to ask, like, oh, and about that color thing, like where, where John was saying, like, it's, it's transparent, the, the streets, but they're gold. Hmm. You know, that doesn't make any sense, right? Because, like, transparent means totally see-through. It's not just even, like, wavy. That's translucent. So this is transparent, and it's gold. I know what transparent is. I know what gold is. I don't know what color you're talking about. And then he'll just show me, and I'll be like, dude, there it is. Thanks. And so those are, my, those are my questions. This guy, uh, in our narrative, he actually a- gets to ask Jesus some, some questions while Jesus was on earth. And I think that they're actually fantastic questions. Like, they're way better than my questions are going to be. This guy asked two main questions. He says, like, how can I get eternal life? And then what am I still lacking in my life? Oh, those are really good questions. Probably way better than the mosquito one. And uh, so we're going to spend our time this morning looking at those two questions that he asks. And we're going to look at Jesus' interaction with this man. And so here's how it goes. That behold, the man comes up to him and he says, like, Teacher, what good deeds must I do to inherit eternal life? Or what good deeds do I need to have eternal life? How do I get into the kingdom, he asks. Apparently, he totally missed the interaction where Jesus had just like talked about in the words that he was sharing with the little kids, such that like, he might have missed that. But that's, you know, uh, it, m- it might be because he's young and he's male, and so he's probably not very good at listening anyway. And so, uh, but he totally missed that. He runs up right after that interaction where Jesus literally said the kingdom belongs to like this. And he's like, how do I get in the kingdom? The question demonstrates that this guy, like most people, had an orientation toward earning heaven. Like he wanted to know what good works or what noble deeds he could do to inherit eternal life. And that makes tons of sense when we look at like all of the man-made religions in the world. You see, all of the man-made religions in the world are always a response to this very question. Because at the core, a person's heart 
desire something more. After we look around at what the world has to offer, we taste, touch, and feel it, we experience it, you say, hmm, unsatisfying. Some of the stuff's really cool, but ultimately something is missing, and all people throughout the planet feel that way. There isn't a culture that we've ever found that didn't feel like something outside of the material was missing. Like it can't just be the material world. And so, so we are all asking, like, there's got to be something more, and I want to get to that place. And so in man-made religions in this world, it is always, what can I do to get to God? Every religion that man makes up is, how can I get to the God? Because I realize something's out there, outside of the material. How can I get to God? So if you're a, if you're a Muslim, you follow the five pillars of Islam so that you can demonstrate to God that you can get up to heaven. Or if you're a, a Hindu, you want to uh, do good and not hurt anyone so that you can reach enlightenment. Or if you're a Buddhist, you're trying to become at peace with all things so that you can become nothing. It's you, 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 you doing things. Every religion that mankind makes up is always us getting to God. But Christianity says God comes and gets us. It's the absolute opposite of what we're all trying to do in the man-made religions. Yet all of us are trying to seek something more. Everyone on the planet knows there's something more. And I think the Christian answer is right because it's what has God done to come get me. The man in our passage, he wants to earn eternal life. In the light of his first question, he believes there are good things that he could do to assure his salvation. Are we any different? I think if we're not really careful that we fall into the exact same trap as this man. Many Jews then, and I would say many people now, they believe they can earn eternal life through an act of good or goodness. If you ask almost any American today if they're going to go to heaven, most Americans believe in heaven, and most Americans think they're going there. And, and when we ask them, why are you going to heaven? The primary answer is, because I'm a good person because I've done good things, or I've done more good things than bad things. You see, all of those answers say, I am going to attain heaven because I am a good person, because I have done something good, or I've done more good than bad. And so his very premise of understanding of the afterlife is predicated on this false notion that good deeds will get him into heaven. And so Jesus says to him, after he asked the question, how do I get to heaven? Jesus says to him, why do you ask, like, why are you particularly asking me about what's good? There's only one who's good at all. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Like, uh, the guy says, which ones? And Jesus says, uh, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't false witness, honor father and mother, love your neighbor. The guy says, okay, what are the good things I've got to do? And Jesus says, only God is good. So you have to be as good as God. Reminding him that goodness doesn't come and cannot come from within oneself. Rather, goodness is a product from God alone. And it stems from God alone. So if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. So Jesus' answer to the guy is pretty straightforward. If you want to gain eternal life by your doing, like you must keep the commandments, all of them without exception, and to keep them in the fullest sense. You see, there is a way to go to heaven outside of Jesus. I know, shocking. We always say there's old Jesus is the only way. But Jesus isn't the only way. There is one other way to get to heaven. It is to be absolutely morally perfect. 
to never sin and to never make a mistake, not only externally but internally, to not have a lie, a thought, an anger, uh, unrighteous anger, not a moment of anything either internally or externally. If you can be absolutely 100% perfect, then you are righteous and God will allow you into heaven because you were perfect. But for the rest of us, we're like, uh, okay, that option is off the board, right? So, like, um, it's like Magnus, you know, okay, like, what am I going to do with that? Like, that's not really an option for everyone. But Jesus is saying you've got to have God's righteousness, which we know that nobody can attain by themselves, which is why it's so critical to understand this important concept the Bible teaches us about this thing called imputed righteousness, and that's just to say that, that when Christ died and resurrected and I accept Jesus and I join with him, he in me and I in him, he actually gives me the righteousness that he earns. So he earns righteousness and he says, oh, you don't have any. Come here, join with me. I'll pay and cover your sins. And then I'm going to give you my righteousness so that I can go into heaven and say, I am perfectly righteous. When we stand before God, that's what we have to say because otherwise we're not allowed into heaven. And it's not because of the good deeds I did. It's because of Jesus' good deed on my behalf, paying for my sins, and then giving me the righteous so I can come in with him. I didn't earn it, but he, he gets it for me. So we actually have to enter heaven perfectly. So either do it on your own or ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, I can't get there. I need you to come get me. And I need you to give me your righteousness. And that's called imputed righteousness. And it comes to any person who asks. All you have to do is say, Dear Jesus, I can't get there. I need you to help me. And he'll say, Okay, because I love you. And he'll come down and he'll, and he'll take care of you. And we give our lives over to him like that. And so um, access to heaven then comes to people who are willing to be nothing. Right? Just like Jesus had said in that prior passage, like the kids. Like, access to heaven comes to the person who says, like, I don't get there because I'm a good person. Because I'm, I'm not a good person. And I don't get there because I do good things, because lots of times I don't do good things. I get there because I'm, I'm nothing, and I, and I can't get there. And Jesus, can you help me? And that's the person whom Jesus comes and meets. The person who thinks they could get there on their own, they're not asking Jesus for help. And so they're not actually going to attain righteousness. Now, Jesus does acknowledge that good things and deeds surround the person who's going to heaven. The guy just has the, the order backwards. Jesus would say, first get grace, then have these good works. The guy thinks that the good works are going to bring about God's favor or God's grace. But if that were the case, then, then grace would be, the definition wouldn't make sense because it would be a wage earned, not a gift given. And so, so it's important to do the good things and the commandments. And Jesus isn't saying they're bad. He's saying actually they're good. But you have the order backwards. They don't earn you salvation. And so the guy was like, well, which commandments are we talking about? And I think that he wasn't saying like, do I follow commandment 1, 7, and 9? But rather, I think what he was saying is like, you know, there's the Ten Commandments, but there's also all the rules of the Pharisees and this kind of stuff. And uh, so which one should I follow? And then when Jesus tells him, like follow these things, he says, like I kept all those, yet I know something is still lacking. And so this is a really interesting phrase. So the young man uh, says to Jesus, I've kept all these things, what do I still lack? 
Now, I think it's fair for us to ask, like, did he really keep them all? Like, or is he just like, is he lying to himself? Is he lying to Jesus? Uh, or has he been uh, such a fantastic human being that he actually, in terms of all the externals, he's checked the boxes? I mean, this is what Apostle Paul says it, before he was a Christian. He says, before I was a Christian, as, as to the law, I was perfect. So he said, I was able to follow all the letter of the law externally. And so I think that this is the same way that this guy is saying it. He's like, yeah, I, have, I, haven't, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't worshipped an idol. I haven't stolen from people. I have tried to love my neighbor. And so all the external boxes, he says, he's checked. Now, certainly he didn't keep them in the full and perfect sense because he wasn't you know, certainly able to do that all internally. Like in, in light of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about not only is it not if you hate, but if you actually hate in your heart. Not only if you murder, but you hate in your heart, that kind of thing. And so this exemplary life plus his dissatisfaction shows you something, right? It shows you that the guy is sort of saying, like, I, I think I'm on the right ro- road according to your teaching. If that's the case, why do, I, why do I feel so insecure about my standing? By asking, what do I lack, he indicates an inherent understanding that despite following all the rules, something is missing. Something's not right. And so we're talking about spiritual questions of lacking. And in his soul, he knows something was missing in his relationship with God. Now, the Gospel of Mark tells us, like when Jesus hears this guy make this confession, that Jesus, he, he, his heart goes out to him and he, and he just loves him. The Gospel of Mark says, like, this guy is questioning, and he says, like, like I'm lacking, and I'm, I'm needing something. And when Jesus hears this, he's like, that the Gospel of Mark says that, that Jesus loves him. You see, Jesus doesn't tisk tisk like, at the questioning of his faith. He doesn't get upset at the longing to be sure of his standing. Because I think it's important that every person on this planet take a hard look at their life and the reality of spiritual truths, and they find assurance. The man did absolutely the right thing in seeking out Jesus to answer his spiritual questions. I mean, I think this guy is certainly exemplary for us. I think we better be approaching Jesus and say, like, hey, Jesus, like, what do I got? Here's what I think. Am I on the right track, God? Here's what I think about your righteousness and how I get it. Here's how I think about my works and how I get it. Like, am I on the right track? I think this guy is a great example for us. Uh, We, too, need to seek answers from Jesus, searching his written message, which we call the Bible, searching him in prayer, um, listening to wise and godly people for confirmation of our kingdom destination. I think it's really important that we have confirmation of of where we're going. Like uh, last year, we we visited China, my family and I, and uh, we don't read Chinese or speak Chinese, and so, uh, but we're trying to get around in Chinese, and they're not really, uh, we weren't in always popular areas, so they didn't always have signs in English, and so sometimes uh, when we were going somewhere, we, we thought we got the right ticket, and we wanted to get the right destination, and so we were, were looking at each of the signs, trying to go, okay, like box, line, antler, squiggle, squiggle, slash, slash, okay, looking for box, line, antler, box, line, antler, okay, this is box, line, no, that, that's a, a wiggle, wiggle, not a squiggle, squiggle, so line, okay, here we go, and so we find it, right, but we don't read Chinese, so we're like, one, two, three, four, five, ten times checking it, right? Okay, box go, let's go. Okay, got it. I think, I think I got it, right? And so we check over and over because you don't want to get in a train and then you're like, show up and we're like, hey, we're in Nanjing. And they're like, no, you're not. You're in Guangzhou. And you're like, what? I don't even know what that means. 
and now I don't even know where my hotel is or how to get back or anything. And so it's important that you go to the right box, squiggle, squiggle line, right? And so you check and check and recheck because you want to go to the right destination. And I think spiritual direction is certainly at least as important as directions in China, right? And so we better check and recheck if, in fact, that we have our destination right, if we're, if we're going to the right place, if we, if we know we're going to the right place. And so we're actually going to end here today. Shockingly abrupt, you know. And I, I'd like to, to... Well, you're like, well, well, help. What do you mean? And I'd like you to spend the whole week... Don't die, please. Nobody die. Uh, it's important that you come back. And I'd like you to spend the week thinking about your own life. I'd like you to think about your own soul's status. I'd like you to think about the direction and how you think about the eternal life. And if you think that you're going there because you're a good person... <laughs> Or you're going there because you have more good than bad. Or, or you think that uh, if I stop doing good things, then I'm not going to be going. Like something like that. So I'd like you to spend this week just thinking about your eternal, your eternal life. That's it. It's homework for the week. Have you been a good person yet still feel something is lacking? Are you confident of your place and position in heaven? Do you still have any uneasiness internally about like all the Christian stuff still? Are you certain that your life's direction will get you to the desired destination? I'd like you to just think about it. Before we answer, have any answers, any of that kind of stuff, I want you to think deeply about it. And honestly, it's a conversation only you and God can have together. And so don't forget to come back next week as we discover the shocking outcome of this interaction with Jesus. And so we're going to pray and then we're going to worship and we're going to invite God to interrupt our thoughts to get our hearts and minds back on Him and start to ask the big question maybe again. Father, we just want to come and, and want to ask if we are really finding ourselves in You. That are we caught up in good deeds? Are we, are, we don't even care good, about good deeds at all. I don't know. And so God, I just pray that You would allow us to have honest time right now with You. And throughout this week, honest time where we're just meeting you, talking to you, taking the example of this guy who was feeling like something was missing and so he sought you out. Like he ran up to you. God, for those of us who maybe feel like something is still missing, I pray all week that we would run up to you and we'd start to talk to you about it and ask you about it. So I invite I want to invite you to begin that conversation right now with Jesus. Then we're going to have a worship time and close. But be as honest as you can. And so just between you and him, have a few moments here.